first I want to I want to give Yeshakayach to, to my friends to David and Debbie Adelson. <coughs> this is a home that's filled with terror and Simchas. I had this should continue to be even more so. I learned that there's an expression I use nowadays. I, you know, it's a funny thing when you start getting older and you realize that, that the same way there were expressions that we used that our parents didn't understand. Now my kids are saying things that I don't understand. It's getting me pretty nervous. <laughs> so one of the things, one of the things that I've been hearing, I, I don't, I don't care for the way that it sounds, but I understand the point that's being made is my son was saying about something that he was learning that it wasn't normal. And I, th- I said, what do you mean it's not normal? It's a Gewaldige He said, it's not normal. That's how good it is. It's not normal. <laughs> so I want to say that, 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 that Debbie and David are not normal. <laughs> that's how good they are. It's a special people. That's the, I think that's the best you could do now. We're on page Yud Aleph. Some serious nephews come out. It's a cold night. So we need to, to warm ourselves up with terror. We're going to learn... We're going to learn a very, very important side of this. What does it mean to protect our children and to build a Jewish home? On page Yud Aleph, where it says Ois Tes, and Rabbi Tzvi who, by the way, is going to be in Mitzvah speaking in the shul, I mean, for men, <laughs> on, on January uh, 26th, but he's coming to the, he's coming for Simcha Baruch Hashem. So he already had spoken about the importance of establishing a bias, a home that will go with the children wherever they go in life. Not just in the house itself, but will travel with them. So he goes and explains now more by Rikas. And it's all going to be connected to the parishes that we're doing now. We're crossing over from the world of the parents to the world of the children, right? We're crossing over from Sefer Bereshis, the parents, the Sefer Shmos, the children. And what has to take place in order to successfully perpetuate that world of the fathers in the lives of the children. That's where we're Isaac in now. That's where, that's where we are now in, in the Torah. And when we're learning something in Torah, we understand it's not just an idea or a concept, but we have to live with this. So he explains on page Yud Aleph. Not only when... Not only does the ark, remember we've been talking about building this boat, this protective um, uh, teva, each and every one of us has to build for our children. Not only does this protect us when we're there, protect our children at the time that they're in, the, in that house, in that place. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this many times. David Amal says, Go, my children, and listen to me. And of course, grammatically, it would have been correct to have said, Come and listen to me. If you want somebody to come and hear you, you say, What does it mean? Go and listen to me. We understand that that's the tachlis of chinuch. And that's the, that's the surest indication that the, that the chinuch of a home was, was real. When the children, even after they go away, or maybe sometimes... Only when they go away, they begin to hear. When they leave the home, they're still hearing what was in the house. They're still, they're still hearing that way of life. Those 
the tzaddikim have explained that the ikr of chinuch is not just while the kid is in the house or while the kid is in yeshiva. The ikr way to know whether it's really a chinuch is when the child leaves the home. That this pureness, this wonderful pureness, that shmirah tsuma vaniflo shabeno habas or talmits or fag bishash or hayibatevas naya, that this wonderful, wonderful pureness and holiness that the that the boy or the girl, the son, the daughter or a student absorbed during that time while being the Tevas Naya in the, in that little base Amikishizemalava that should go with him wherever he is, wherever he is in life. And that's one of the inyana that's explained in the Svarmakadoshim about the mezuzah and touching the mezuzah when we, when we leave the house and then coming back and touching the mezuzah. But the main thing is when we leave the house. And touching the mezuzah when we leave the house, kissing it is the many have the custom to kiss it really, and the Ramam just speaks about touching it. When we touch the mezuzah, so what that means is that that, that clarity, that Yich Hashem, that oneness of, of purpose, of who I am and, and where I belong, that that's something which is not only not only while I'm in the while I'm in the in the house, but as I leave the house, the touching of the, the mezuzah means that that to take that with me. And the tzaddikim explained that we see many things in Tanakh that take place by the opening of the house. The opening of the house is a scary place. And that's why Hashem's Baruch gave us a beautiful mitzvah of mezuzah. The opening of the house is scary because on the one hand we understand that Hashem wants us to go out into the world and to accomplish and to be part of the world. On the other hand, on the other hand, it's frightening to go out there and, and, and to leave the warmth and the clarity of what's inside. Therefore we find that in general in Tanakh, and I don't have time to go into this now, but in general there are many struggles that take place in Tanakh by the opening. By the opening. We see that we see that from the beginning of from the beginning of mankind with Cain, Hashem tells him Al Pesach Chatas Rovets that sin crouches by the opening, by the Pesach, by that place, the threshold of the house. The Pesach Chatas Rovets, it's crouching, it's waiting there. In the house everything is clear, everything is beautiful. But then to cross over into the world is that scary time in between. Similarly we find that the whole Indian with Lot and what happened in Stom, again I'm not going into details now, that they were demanding that he, that he hand over his guests. And the whole thing took place as it says in, in the Chumash, in the parish, it says by the Pesach Abais, by the opening. That opening into the world of Stom. When our children leave the, leave the house, I don't mean when they're very, very little and they just go to school, but as they grow up and they leave that Pesach, they go out into the world, they're, they're entering into a, into a Stom-like type of existence. And unless they have the mezuzah with them from where they come from and they're strong in their amuna, and it's something which can sustain them beyond their being in the house, they're not going to, they're not going to be, able to be able to make it. We see the brothers of Yosef also, it says, by the door, by the threshold, wondering, not knowing what to do, by the threshold. It's always a place of uncertainty. Sarimenu shomas pesach ha'ohel. Sarimenu is listening by the opening of the tent, by the threshold of the tent. 
That's the special influence of the mother that we were talking about two weeks ago by the opening. To be able to give the child that feeling that no matter where he, no matter where he goes, no matter where she goes, there is that feeling of, of the parents staying with the child. And that's what's really happening when we're crossing over from the end of Sefer Bereshis to the beginning of Sefer Shmos. That's actually a mezuzah. That's a doorpost. The Vayichi Yaakov, last week's parasha. And, and going into this week's parasha, which Rotsime is going to talk about, how do we, how do we continue with the way of the parents, with, the, with that way that we had in Bereshis, how do we continue with that into the, into the world of Mitzrayim? That's really what's happening. How do we sustain that, that connection as we enter into Mitzrayim, as we go into, into Mitzrayim. And, and again, here, this is a, a very interesting and it's important thing that I've spoken about many times in the past, but simply not for now, the whole Indian of where Yochevod was born. Where Yochevod was born, in that place in between Mitzrayim and outside of Mitzrayim. There are many, many things that are taking place as we cross over from, from Bracious to Shmos. Again, Yochevod being the perennial mother and the importance of the mother to give the child the encouragement to be able to go and to live as a Jew in Mitzrayim and at the same time, at the same time uh, to have a very, very strong in, uh, connection to the past and feel the warmth of those memories holding him or her up in Mitzrayim. So he explains, we know that the beginning of Golis was, first of all, Yosef HaTzadik going down, being sold into Egypt. And then, that was preparing the way. And then, Yaakov Avinu would descend for the final 17 years, he would be in Mitzrayim. And we know that this was a way of preparing for their descendants to be able to not only to survive Golis, but to be able to rescue all the sparks of holiness and to accomplish what Hashem's Baruch wants us to accomplish in this world. All of that was being, all of the groundwork was being prepared by Yaakov and Yosef. We find in Tehillim, in Nach, we find in many places, even in Chomish, Ela told us Yaakov Yosef. We find that even though Yaakov, of course, loved all of his children, the relationship that he had with Yosef HaTzadik was really two sides of one coin. Yosef was the true Hemshech in the deepest sense, the true continuation of Yaakov Avinu. Habes Yaakov Eish. Therefore we find that the Pasuk in Navi compares the house of Yaakov to a fire. Shalochem be'edom, in its constant struggle with Edom, in Golis. Be'beis Esav. Shuha Golis Arivi. The final Golis that we're in is the Golis of Edom, of Esav. Shuhu Golis Bistam. Iker ha-Golis b'chines Esav v'amalik. The strongest aspect of Golis that causes us the most difficulties, the strongest, of course, is Esav and Amalek. Yishmol, that we're presently having many difficulties with, Yishmol is a part of the Golis, of, is the final part of the Golis of Esav, of Amalek. Shestam melchama hu imam. Stam, the war in this world between holiness and anti-holiness is between Yaakov, Yosef, and Esav. Kol melchama b'machna. There's a sound of war in the camp. Therefore, when it just says there is a war, when it says that there is a war, it means with the one who is described, who is blessed, 
a blessing that's been a great curse for the entire world, but the blessing of you shall live by the sword, which is the bracha of Esau, to live by the sword. So when we see Stab, when it says kol milchama b'machna, there's a sound of war. Anytime that there's a sound of war and it doesn't specify somebody else, Stab, it means Esau, it means Amalek. The one who lives by the sword. But of course that doesn't only mean physically, it means spiritually as well. Mostly that's what we experience in our lives. And the, of course the main warrior is Yaakov Avinu. That's why he's called Beis Yaakov Eish, the fire of Yaakov. Yaakov is the father and Yosef HaTzadik is the son that continues with this. So it says in the Pasuk, Beis Yaakov is compared to a fire and Beis Yosef to a, to a flame. That the fire is something which is only there that's burning, but the flame is something which, which goes on and on and on. It's through Yaakov and Yosef that the Jewish people have the ability to live in such a way where all of the winds of this world, physical, or spiritual, ultimately cannot destroy Klai Yisrael. Certainly there have been casualties, but the Jewish people have survived even though it's not physically possible to explain. It's not rationally possible to explain the survival of Klai Yisrael, Bein Mitzad the Guf, physically or spiritually. This Kayach that we have is from Yaakov Yosef. Next page. Therefore, Yosef HaTzadik was sent to the most difficult places. And even though, as it says in the Torah, the brothers intended to harm him, but Hashem's intention was for good. That Yosef would become a tzadik dafka in that place of Mitzrayim in the most difficult circumstances. The most difficult tests. What is the what is the way that the Yitzhahara from within? What is the way that, that Amalek speaks to us within ourselves? It begins by saying What does it mean Benkach Nafalta? Listen, anyway you're not in Eretz Yisrael, you're not with Yaakov Avinu, you're not with the Shvatim, you're not you're not involved in learning and in davening. Anyway you're not, you're already a fallen. You're already not one of the. You're already not one of the. Flinzra mentioned one of the real Jews. You're already fallen into such a place of Mitzrayim. Benkach nafalta. Benkach rachaik. These are the words of Amalek. You're already far away. Anyway, you're far away. So you might as well enjoy yourself. Hashchina kedoshe v'shivtei heard this voice in his ear all those years. That ultimately. The Shechina obviously doesn't want you. Hashem's Baruch doesn't want you. Why? Your own father sent you to a dangerous place. Your own father sent you to be with brothers that he knew hated you. On, on their Madraga. That they hated you. And your own father sent you to such a place. Your father in this world, and obviously your father in Shemaim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Shechina, obviously was interested in, 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 a, in you being sold into the lowest place. You were driven away from your holy father and grandfather. 
וכל הניסיון העצום מאוד שיוסף הצדיק הלך לשבור בשבילנו and it's, it's hard for us to understand, it's impossible for us to understand all that Yosef HaTzadik had to go through and break through and all of it was for our sake and therefore we see that when we left when we left Mitzrayim the, the Aron the remains of Yosef traveled together with us in the Midbar and that's still true the remains of Yosef HaTzadik travel with us no matter where we go even if a Jew is in, a Jew is in Hong Kong a Jew is in any place in the world the Aron of Yosef travels with him the Yosem the Aron of Mitzrayim that travels with a Jew everywhere he goes and this gives us the to hold ourselves to survive now look what happened which we spoke about this and all of you are familiar with this the Dav get the most difficult moment of his life and the, difficult, the most difficult moment of his life was not when he was in jail it was not when he was sold and taken with a caravan that wasn't the most difficult moment of his life it was, what, it was when he was it was when he was alone in the house with the wife of Potiphar. That was the greatest challenge of his life to the whole Indian of what Yosef HaTzadik is, who Yosef HaTzadik is, which is the link between heaven and earth, that there can be a holiness even in this world, which is the tachlis of creation. At that most difficult moment, what did he do? Now, how, did he, how did he survive? How was he able to... How was he able to make that decision in a split second of Vayonas Vayetze HaChutzah? He ran out. He just ran out. Vayonas Vayetze HaChutzah. He ran out. He left. Where did he get that Kayach from? Which again, you and I think, so I would have, we would also run out. It's not something which we could understand. What that was, what was going on there. Where did he get that Kayach from? So Chazal of course tells us, and everybody knows, Hayyad Muz Diyuk Nashal Aviv Nidmalai. He saw the image of his father in the window. He saw the image of his father. And his father was saying to him, Rashi brings it down, not the whole thing. The Gemara brings down that Yaakov was saying to him, look, look at all the beautiful, look at all the, the beauty that awaits my children and the Jewish people. And, and don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you want to, don't you want to be able to bring this about? And he saw the image of his father. When a Jew is in the most difficult, difficult situations, he has to have the kind of parents, we spoke about this, that he can remember at that moment. Not to remember and to think, you know, of a father sitting there with a remote control or, or of a mother, you know, uh, spending another, another uh, night out in the, with, her, with her buddies in the mall. But to remember Kedusha, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with the second thing, but the, but the Kedusha, to be able to, to, be able to, to have that reference, to be able to refer back. I was talking about this this past Shabbos, but the Inna Vayichi Yaakov, that Yaakov never died. What does that mean for Yaakov never to die? And, and that's what Yaakov was asking for, as I explained on Shabbos, Al Nasik Bereni B'Mitzrayim, don't bury me in Egypt. Don't take all that I believed in, all that I lived for, and bury it someplace in Egypt. Take me out of this place. And the main responsibility for that was Yosef HaTzadik. And in order for Yosef HaTzadik to accomplish that, he had to see his father's image. He had, to, he had to associate holiness with his father. He had to make that connection. One has to remember one's father. 
course, that's what happened with Yosef Tzadik. It means one's mother as well, to remember one's parents. And it doesn't just mean to have a fond memory. It means that when thinking about the parents, this is what gives the children unbelievable kayach. This is the Vayichi Yaakov that connects the book of the parents, gracious, with the book of the children that would enable us to survive in Mitzrayim. Only when we have the image of our parents. And that image is one that inspires us. That inspires us. That's why, um, that's why I chose to call these, these talks, not just this time but last time, Inspired Parenting. Because my, my strong belief is that nowadays it's not going to work with uninspired parenting. It just doesn't work anymore. The children have to think back and look back and feel that their parents were people who were mamish on fire, like Beis Yaakov Eish and Beis Yosef Lahava, that they, that they can look up to their parents. They admire their parents. They want to be like their parents. And that will enable them, as Rabbi Simei says, Matzig Mamel Begadusha V'Tahara, it's there in Egypt that Yosef HaTzadik became the embodiment of this midah that's called Yisaid, foundation, which is the foundation of all creation, the holiness of the bris that binds the parents with the children, that binds the past with the future, that connects heaven and earth. That's the whole Indian of Kedushas HaBris, which is the main, the main strategy nowadays of Amalek, of Esav, with those of you who are married with your husbands and with your sons, and even with the daughters, but mostly with the boys, older and younger. The main strategy of Esav now is not to use a sword that hurts them. Thank God they're mostly safe. In Israel it's much more dangerous, but mostly our children are, are, are not being threatened by the sword of Esav in that way. But what is being threatened more than ever before is the Kedusha of the bris, of, the, of, of that meter that's called Yisai, of holiness, of sanctity, of the way of the parents of the grandparents. And our grandparents, our great-grandparents never had these kind of challenges. They couldn't imagine what we go through and what we live through. Again, the women don't suffer from this as much as the, as much as the men. This is the, main, this is the main Nisoyan of the men in our generation, although women also are struggling with this. And, and the, the mitzvah hashah, the tzav hashah, the main commandment of our time is to try to establish homes of Kedush, of Tahara, and to remove all that could in any way bring, bring the, the husbands, the boys, and even the girls down. The, the things that are, that are available, the magazines, the newspapers, and so on, not, it's not only attacking the boys, they're attacking the girls as well. And that's something which, that until this generation came out, was not prevalent. It was not prevalent. But the entire attack of Asa of these days, where we are, is on this midah of Yisaid, a foundation of Kedushas Habris. I don't, I don't, you're raising it? Somebody raising it? Oh, I thought not. I don't have my glasses. This midah of Yisaid connects heaven and earth. Just like we see that Yosef HaTzadik was in the lowest, lowest place on earth, and he brought heaven into that place. And that's why Yosef HaTzadik was able to feed his family, and to really sustain the entire world. That's the midah of Tzadik Yisod Olam, of Kedusha Sabris. The one, who, the one who doesn't misuse, God forbid, his physical kaychus, the one who does not misuse himself, that person has unbelievable, unbelievable ability to bring all of the blessings from heaven down into this world. And that's the name of Yosef Tzadik, whose name means to add. The name itself means Shefa, means Bracha, that's the name. It's through Yosef Tzadik. It's through Yosef Tzadik that you have some boy tonight 
maybe it's one of one of the children from from our chevra here that there's some boy that's going to be sitting supposedly doing his his, uh, his, his homework at you know at uh, 12:30 in the morning and he and and and, and he's and he's got a bit being tempted to look at something he shouldn't look at because these machines that come out, you don't have to even look for things, they throw things at you. So, for him to be able to be a vayonis vayetze to run away from the wife of Potiphar, that's only, that's only through the koyach, this koyach that we receive from the, from the, from Yitzhak Atadik, from Yaakov Avinu, from the Ovis, and from the Imohis. This, of course, began with Avram Avinu, as we learned. That Hashem took Avram Avinu beyond this world. He was raised to a place above this world. That means that forever and ever, a Jew has the ability to rise above the trappings of this world, not to be dragged into the world. But to other Abba, to bring Kedusha, to bring holiness into this world, not to be dragged into the world. And that started with Avram Avinu, that Hashem's Baruch took him above the world. To be outside. To be outside. And that's why it's already, it's already after Hanukkah, but certainly the Ayus of Hanukkah is shining very brightly. And that's why the Indian of the Hanukkah and the Ayus Davka by the opening. That's where it is, it's by the opening. To give the person that, 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 that dangerous place of the Pesach, at that place of the uh, in-between worlds to give him the koyach of, of, of what? of, of Yosef HaTzadik that will carry him even ha above and beyond all the things of this world beyond that which is natural what did this what enabled Yosef HaTzadik to do this was the image that he saw of his father and of course it doesn't only mean that one time that that one time was the was the greatest crisis in his life. But certainly, he saw that he lived with the image of his parents. He lived with that image, with those memories of what was and and his chaskas that he received from that. And we have to ask ourselves: That's what we're talking about now. Are our children going to have those memories? When our children go through difficulties in life and they think of us, because that's what they're going to do. Is that going to be mechazik them? Is that going to pull them beyond this world and above? And above those things that are dragging them down, or God forbid, have we in any way contributed to the children being lowered in this world, Hashem Yirachem? And that's the big question that when we're 120, that Hashem Baruch is asking each and every one of us. And all of the philosophy and all the excuses and explanations in the world on that day are totally meaningless. That's the real question of our lives. Are we, are we the kind of people who can be images? For our, for our children and our grandchildren in the future when they're stuck with the wife of Potiphar. And, and if we can't be, that means that we have to start being. That means that, we, means that we're missing the point. This is the tachlis of our vayda in this world. Shal'abu o malameh, not just a father, a parent, but also a rebbe. Shugam abba b'bchines ki'ilu yaldai. A rebbe is like a, is like a parent. It's as, it's as if he gave birth. I'll tell you, there's an interesting thing. Back before World War II in Poland, there was a chassid that was going to Paris on a business trip. And he came to take leave of, of his rabbi. His rabbi was the holy tzaddik, the Imri Emes, the Geir rabbi. And he went to take leave from his rabbi to go. So the rabbi said, you're going to Paris. There's a certain cigar that I like in Paris. And he told him what the brand was and exactly, you know, where in Paris you can get this cigar. 
And the Chosid was very excited that he could do something to the Rebbe, but he got very busy on his business trip and make, going all over and doing different things. And finally, it was the last day, and and he was leaving. He remembered, oh, the one thing my Rebbe ever asked me in my life is that I should bring him this cigar, and, and, and I didn't do it. And certainly, you can't find those cigars in, in Poland. He came to the Rebbe, and, and he was very embarrassed. And the first thing when he walked in, the Rebbe said, no, where's my cigar? So he started to say, Rebbe, I'm so sorry, you know, this business thing and that thing, and I had appointments on the last day, and I was just a tumult, and, you know. So the, so the Rebbe says to him, shite, you idiot. Do you think that I care about cigars? You know why I told that to you? Because I wanted that for the entire week that you were there, wherever you were going, you should think of your Rebbe. You should remember me. That's why I told you, to get something from me. I don't need the silly cigars. But I need you to remember who your Rebbe is and where you come from. And I knew that you're going to get trouble and you failed. You failed because you should have remembered me. And, and you shouldn't have just the last 10 seconds when you were leaving already. You should have remembered me the whole time. That's that's the insight of, of a parent. That's the insight of a, of a teacher, of a Rebbe. Sheyeled nizgarhu royal lefanav ha'aba to see the tsura, to see the image of the father, shall harav. Look how people like so much to have paintings with bids and pays. You know, it's an interesting thing how Jews like to have paintings. But if a husband comes home with a bid and pays, oh boy, big, big mishaberich. If a husband walks in, everybody wants to have like these old paintings. It's so sweet and charming. You know, how, or everybody likes to have a grandparent, a grandfather that looked like this. They like to, they like to make a big. To blow up the picture and to display it and to say to everybody who walks in, that's my Zayda, that's my Zayda. Oh, your Zayda was a Charka of a Chassid, your Zayda was a Belza Chassid. Yeah, that's my Zayda, it was an Elachayid. So, but, if, but if, the, if, your, if your husband and the boys come marching in trying to look like the Zayda, so it'll be, it won't be the best day of their lives. Yeah? So, it's not one degree or the other. One degree or the other. I've had many, many meetings with, with wonderful, beautiful couples that arguing, are arguing over a quarter inch beard or a half an inch of payas. And, and, and that, not that that makes a Jew, of course, it's silly. Our, grand, our fathers and grandfathers didn't have to have necessarily beards and payas to be Jews. They were, they were much stronger, the Jews, than a lot of the ones that have beards down to the floor, including my beard. So I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, but this is, there was a certain, there was a certain, Association that we there's a certain association that we have to our grandparents, to pictures of the past, to those images of the past, and and especially since I was I was never zayich to see my grandparents, so that my father was able to get. It really wasn't such a long time ago. There was an amazing thing that happened, that my father there was a, somebody from my father's hometown, who he thought had been killed in the war, and around 30 years ago, something like that, my father met him. My father met him someplace. And they were hugging and crying. They were friends from Europe, friends from Cheda. And he said, he said to my father, I have something for you. And, and he, they met the next day. And he gave my father a picture of my grandfather. That my father, they weren't able to take anything out when they left. And this, this seed had a picture of my grandfather. You know who I'm named. And, and, I, and, and I said, I, I could still remember this is already a long time ago. And, I could, uh, and even though I was busy, you know, bowling and movies and girlfriends, you know, I was running back and forth. I had a lot of things going on. But, but there's, a, there's, a memory, there's a memory of my father sitting with this picture, hours and hours and hours, looking at this picture of his father. And, and all, of that, all of that meant to him, all that it means to us, even though we, we we never met, especially because we never met these people, the images of of, of an elchiyid of what a God-fearing Jew looked like, 
even the way that a God-fearing Jew, the way he dressed and where he went and how he spoke and, and how he carried himself, how he conducted his, his life, that this is something that's becoming very, very, very hard for our children to, to sense in us. And it's, and, and, and it's scary. It's scary because we see that this is Davka, what is most important and vital to their being able to make it in Mitzrayim. When I say make it in Mitzrayim, it doesn't just mean halavai they shall be shown. I'm not saying that to say, oh, my, well, my child eats kosher Hashem Shabbos. That's good. I'm not, I'm not belittling that. That's a kosher thing to, to be Shem Shabbos and to, and to eat kosher. But, but our, our dream and our hope is to have children that are, that are holy. Children that are holy Eden. That's our that's our dream and hope that I'm sure that I I'm sure that I that I share that we we all share that. We might not always think about it. We might not remember it. But in the in the panemius of who we are, in the depths of who we are, there's nothing that's more important to us. To remember the picture, to remember the image of his Rebbe, of his father. There's no greater shmira. There's no greater way to protect the child. That's the Nina before Yaakov died, and he said, "Hamalach Hagoy Loisimi Kol Ra." Yevarechas Hanaarim Vikarvehem Shmi V'Shema Avosai Arvam V'Yitzchay. That was the bracha that Yaakov gave Davka to the grandchildren, the ones who were raised where, not in Israel, who were raised in Egypt. The bracha was Hamalach Hagoy Loisimi Kol Ra. There was, Yaakov knew many angels in his life. Many, many angels. He met many, many Malachim. On the ladder, by Machanayim, he met, he met angels, he sent angels to Esau. He, he was very familiar with angels. He met probably thousands of angels in his life. But there was that Hamalach, Hagoyl Oisimi Kolera. There was that Koyach that he had to be able to, to be able to remain a Yid, to remain a Jew. Through all of his difficult times, how Malach, like Rashi says over there, Davka through the Tsaris, that one Malach was the most special Malach to Yaakov. You know how Malach, how should bless the children. And what's the biggest blessing that we can give the children? The biggest blessing is, that may they be named after me and my ancestors. And here it doesn't just mean to name the kids, it means a way of life. That's a, that was the bracha that Yaakov you know, gave to his grandchildren. You have so many fights that take place when it comes time to naming a baby. Unbelievable when it comes to naming a baby. But but to be to fight that the child should be more like the Zayda, more like the Bobby, that you don't have such big Muhammad like that. Just to give the name. Multiply in this in the world that they'll be able to be the kind of Jews that are connected, that are connected forever. Shmi v'shem avosai. Yaakov said, my name and and the name of my of my ancestors. And that is what saves the child from everything. This is the strength of a Jewish home. Shalmakam Tari Yehudi of a Yeshiva, a strong school of Yeshiva. Zoha Yesaid Shal Kalal Yisrael. This is the Yesaid, this is the foundation of the entire nation of our people. Avinu Shabbashamayim. Heralonu Omaralonu Keseder. Eich Nazig Maimed Ayyidei. Hakayach Shal Esyakov Ish Ubeisai Bo. So, t- so on Shabbos, actually, this entire week, we're, we, we began we began reading, learning Sefer Shmos. And Shabbos is going to read Parshas Shmos. And the beginning of Shmos 
There's that empty space, that scary space in between Reishis and Shmos, that scary place. And then Shmos begins, the Ve'ela Shmos B'nei Yisrael, Ha'bo'im Mitzrayma. These are the names of the Jewish people who came to Egypt, Ha'bo'im Mitzrayma. Pay note to the fact that it says it in the continuous present. It doesn't say Ashabo that who came. It says Ha'bo'im Mitzrayma, who are coming into Egypt. Eis Yaakov, Ish Ubeisai Bo. Each, the child, each one connected to Yaakov, a child, a grandchild of Yaakov, each one came with their household. That's the beginning of, of Sefer Shmos, which is the book of redemption, which is the book of Golos, of exile and redemption. That's how he went into Golos. Eis Yaakov, Ish Ubeisai Bo. The reason it says in the present continuous, Haboim Mitzrayma, that Sadiqim explained, which is found in the basis that Haboy Mitzrayma means that a Jew never feels that he's settled into Mitzrayim. He never feels that he's arrived. He's always trying to find his place, but never does. That's how it has to be for a Jew in this world, away from Israel and away from Mashiach. Haboy Mitzrayim. If a person feels that this is it, this is great, I don't need Israel, I don't need Mashiach, I'm already, I'm already here, Ashabo Mitzrayim, we already have arrived. So that's a very, very dangerous. That's God forbid the end of that person's Yiddishkeit. Haboi Mitzrayim means we're constantly, even when we, even though we're here for 50, 60, 70 years, whatever it is where we're here, we feel that we're just arriving. This is not our place. We're not comfortable here, and that discomfort comes to us from our parents, our grandparents. It's it's becoming more comfortable lately, and and I'm sure that many of you, like myself, grew up. In a, in a home where although my parents appreciated, still appreciate the blessings of America, I, I never felt that this is where they fit in or where they belonged. I never, I never felt that way. That they, not just because of the language and because of the, there are many, many, many things that contribute to that. I just, I just never felt that um, that they that they fit in. Sometimes they that they I don't know if they wanted to fit in. Maybe in the beginning, but I don't think they wanted to fit in. They, 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 they those. Those who are still coming to Egypt after 50, 60, 70 years. <clears throat> so that's why so many times, like the other day, we had a friend of mine sent me a very, very funny cartoon. You know how in the shuls they have, well, you don't go in the men's section, you don't see, but in the, in the yeshivas and in the, in the men's sections, they always have this, this one diagram of a guy wearing film, and it says right, right, wrong, wrong. It shows you like the film too low or on the side. It's in every yeshiva. And every shul, you know, there's some place you have this guy that we're looking at this face for like the last 50 years, this guy. It's a cartoon, you know, the drawing. So a friend of mine uh, sent me something that his Talmud and his students made a very funny thing on the computer. They made a guy like wearing film in the craziest way. Like it was over here, it was over there. It was like crazy. It was all over the place. It wasn't like just a little bit. It was just a crazy thing. And, and, um... And my son and I, we were laughing. It's just very funny looking because you have to, we have all those associations with a serious yeshiva bracha with a tilm in the right place. So I thought I would share this with my father on Shabbos, and he looked at it and and uh, and he said, "What's funny?" I said, "You know how the tilm is over here." So my father said, "That's not funny. That's silly. You make fun tilm. That's what you do. You make fun tilm. It's a narish guy." That's what you live, and you live with Ushi together with your son. That's what you teach him to live Narishkai. Silly. I just thought it was a, I thought it was a funny thing, and you know, I didn't. It's just a different way of. It's just a different way. It's, it's 
It's a boy mitzvahim, and you think I would have learned after all the years, you know, what to show and what not to show. But you don't, it's just, we, we, we have gotten used to something. That, yeah, there's nothing sinful about that. It's just a joke. It was nothing terrible. And, and I still have it on the refrigerator. You know, after my father left, I put it back on the refrigerator. It's, it's funny, you know. But it's just, it's, not, it's only for those who have come to Mitzrayim, not for those who are coming to Mitzrayim. And it's hard to explain. Only those who grew up with this understand what it means. Haboy Mitzrayim. Eis Yaakov, Ishu Beisai, Bo. To come, to come with a family. I was at a bris this morning, and, and the Balsimcha says such a beautiful thing. The baby was named after a very, very fine Jew um, who, who, who passed away at a young age and left, left a, a large family. And the Balsimcha said that any time that you go into that house, even though the father passed away a few years ago, you hear the children saying, Abba, this is what Abba would want. This is what Abba tell, told us. This is how Abba wanted it. Even though he passed away years ago. And the children, doesn't, they're not older children. They're, I think they're all um, under 20, maybe. They're not maybe. That, the oldest one's around that age. But they're, they're young children. And, and, this is, and, and the Balsimcha said that you would think that, that the father was still alive. The way that they talk about the father, it's like he's still alive. Oid Yosef Chai. Yaakov in This is what my father would have wanted. This is the way that he looked at things. That's an amazing thing. That's, but that's the, the greatest compliment that you could give anybody in the world. Is that, is, that, is that the children years later, that the children, grandchildren are still thinking, what would our father, what would our mother, how would they have looked at this? How did they see this? How would they have handled this? And with that, for the children to have the courage to do things the right way. That's what he's talking about here. That's what it means. When we went to Mitzrayim, it was Eis Yaakov Ishu Beisaybo. Each we came to the house with the families. Eich Machzikim Mamad B'Matzav Shel Haboim Mitzrayim. How should we be able to survive in Egypt? It's only Eis Yaakov Ishu Beisaybo. Eis Yaakov Ishu Beisaybo. Eich Machzikim Golus B'Cholus B'Protus Im Akayich Shel Chinuch. And that's, that's what it means to educate, not just teaching classes and, and, and reading books. In Makayashal Beis Yaakov that we learned, that the whole house is filled with the fragrance. That's why it's called Beis Yaakov, which is particularly, especially coming from the mother. In Batim Kedoshim, Batim Yehudim, Kedoshim Meirim, only with holy Jewish homes that are shining with holiness. In Makayimus Hatayra Kedoshim Meirim, in yeshivas and schools that are filled with Kedusha, that are shining with Kedusha. That's the way that we can survive. Next, this left column. One of the most painful parashies in Chumash, maybe in all of Tanakh, is when we read about two people who we adore, who we love more than anybody, Avram Vino and Sarimenu, and what seems to have been a completely cruel and merciless expulsion of Yishmael from the house, which is unbearable for, for us, especially, especially since we're taught over and over again that the whole Midas Achesed of this world is Avram Vino and Sarimenu. And that's and when do we say this? When do we read this parsha? Besides the regular reading, when do we read this parsha? We read this parsha on Rosh Hashanah, on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> These are the holiest moments of the year, right? By blowing the shofar. 
Rosh Hashanah lefnei tekiyas. It's the most holy time of the year. Rosh Hashanah before tekiyas shayfim. Lefnei malchi is a chayyus shayfim. Before we say all the brachas of Musaf and Rosh Hashanah, beregoyim hagadolim ha'ela. And what do we do at these most exalted holy moments of the year? Davke karyan parashas shleim. We read an entire section of Torah. Extra sorry, you may know. I'm allowed from Avinu Lagarish is small. The Gishwa is so you mean it says throw him out? And I remember that, and Hashem tells Avram Avinu, whatever so you mean it said, she's right. <coughs> and and we read this Davka and Rosh Hashanah when when we're so desperately in need of Hashem's compassion, and we read this parasha which is a pachad, it's frightening. This is something which is absolutely astounding. The whole Indian of Avmarvita was to bring Chesed into this world, boundless love into this world. He was Moises Nefesh, he was sacrificing his entire life just to teach this loving kindness. Arab Sochem, he had the four openings to his tent, and he, and he, and he created a whole industry of of taking care of companies, taking care of guests. Avinu was the one who brought this unbelievable need of Hashem that's called Chesed into the world. And all the Chesed that's now available in the world is all from Avram Avinu. Such, to such a degree that even on the most painful day, was the third day after this bris, he's standing outside looking for guests, not, not, not necessarily holy people, anybody. Because he couldn't live without doing good. He, he wanted to do good. He couldn't be without giving good, without giving, without doing. He has to be Mashpia, he has to do something. He has to give over. Uh, food and and water and a place to rest and and talking about Hashem and he had to call kula hashpa because the entire essence of Avinu all he was was hashpa was giving over call kula hatova all he was was goodness all that's that's all that he was was giving call kula chesed we can't possibly comprehend this. All she spent her life doing was, was opening up her home and teaching the women about, about, about Hashem and about belief and so on. That's all she did. Avravina was working with the men and Sarimena was with the women. We see this in Chumash. All they, all they were in this world was Hashpo, was giving over and Hatova and goodness. There wasn't a hair's breadth of anything that they wanted for themselves in this world. There wasn't anything selfish in them. And, and nor were they capable of hurting anybody. They couldn't do anything. They would never, ever. Now you see a nice person, he's not capable of hurting. He wouldn't hurt a fly. They couldn't hurt anybody. Or even to cause somebody to feel bad. Suddenly, all of a sudden you have a Maise in Torah, a story, something that happened. Shmuel was not acting in the right way. And he was also mocking and ridiculing holiness. And we see that this 
person, these people, who are the embodiment of kindness and of giving, who didn't have one thing for themselves in this world, it seems to us in a very brutal way, they sent Yishmael into a, into a, into a dangerous place. They sent him away. And we read this Tavke before Tkir Shoifer when we're in the need for the greatest clarity and compassion. Tavke. So why, why is this? Because Hashem is Baruch is showing us on Rosh Hashanah. The beginning of Hashem, the Kudush Aliyahadis. On Rosh Hashanah, which is the day of the coronation of the king. It's the day when we, when we come back to the beginning. It's that day when everything is once again clear, the way it's supposed to be. So what does Hashem is Baruch show us on Rosh Hashanah? He shows us the Nakuda of Yiddishkeit, the Pintala, the spark, the point, the inner essence of Yiddishkeit. And the kud of a Jew is to watch the children. Is to take care of the children. To take care of the children that they shouldn't be, God forbid, they shouldn't be brought down, they shouldn't be defiled. This is the spitz, this is the point of a Jew to make a shmira for his children from anything that could hurt the child. Not just physically, but spiritually as well. So we're thinking, I couldn't we do this in a different way? I mean, couldn't we have, couldn't we have sent him to a special place? You know, uh, you could have gone to Ohel for a year or something. Uh, it says that there were, there were Ohels back then. So couldn't he couldn't he have sent couldn't have Ravino sorry I mean to sent him to some place, something epis, but such a way the the way that he was removed from Klal we don't have a hasag, we don't understand the tiniest little drop of Yitzchak Avinu's holiness and of the dreams that Yitzchak had for Yitzchak. We don't understand that. So to us, it seems like many things in Chomish and Tanakh. It seems like, what? No, we wouldn't have done it this way. We could have thought of something else. We would have had some counseling and, and therapy and so on. We would have spent some time. And, and you know what? Nowadays, there are different ways of doing this. That we're not in the same matzah as Avraham Avinu This was the beginning. This is the root of our people. Everything had to be just right. When we say the bracha by a Hashem sanctified and made holy the friend from the womb. According to many Bishon, that friend from the womb who was already holy inside the womb was Yitzchak Avinu. Oila Tamima. He was like he was like a pure, unblemished sacrifice that was offered up to Hashem, that was placed on the altar. Kol He was the he was he was the most complete person. We don't understand this at all. From the moment that he was born, he was completely holy and pure. He was 13 years old. Yishmael was 14 years older than him. Was making all kinds of narishkeit in the house, was carrying on, was involved in all kinds of terrible things. And we know that according to Chazal, he did the most disgusting of errors. He was a murderer, he, he was an adulterer, he was, not, he, was, he was worshipping idols. He made the worst things. Yitzchak was a pure, unblemished offering. What's going to happen to be in the same house with Yishmael? What's going to be with him? To be in the same house with Yishmael. 
with Rivki Menu, that Rivka is the one who orchestrates the Brocha for Yaakov and that Esav should be rejected. That here the woman steps in and says, No way. Also Levater, you cannot compromise. There are no compromises. Ulispashab is a klum. There are no compromises with the holiness of my children, of my child. We have to protect the children with the greatest possible shmira that we can, with the highest level of shmira that we can. There's a famous Rambam, where the Rambam says that a person is very much influenced by his environment. And if he's living in a place where he can't find a little pocket of holiness, if it's necessary, he should go out, the Rambam says, to the desert and live by himself in a cave. Now, you know, you can't accuse the Rambam of, of saying things that are not rational. The Rambam, was, the Rambam was the most rational Jew there ever was. And the Rambam says if you can, it, 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 that if necessary, you go out and live by yourself. The Rambam says if you don't have a good environment, you have to go out to the, the desert. And who are we talking to? Who's the Rambam talking to? And the Rambam says that in order to salvage your Yiddishkeit, to be holy, you have to go out to the... This person might even have to go live by himself in the desert. So we're talking about a person who the Rambam feels can be a Jew even by himself in the desert. This must be a great person. He must be a great person. Because regular people wouldn't be able to manage. And the Rambam says that this person, even though we're talking about obviously a great person, if necessary, should go by himself and live in the desert. What's he going to have over there? Not physical comfort? and not, He's not going to have a yeshiva. He's not going to have anything. Who can live in the desert? The Rambam is talking about a person who has the, who has the, karchis, the physical kach and the spiritual kach to go by himself and live in the desert. And to be a good Jew in that place by himself. We think that if we'd be there, we'd go crazy. Or we go completely off the path. So in which case, what would the Rambam be benefiting by sending this guy out to the mid? But the whole point is he should be an Elohim, he should be God-fearing Jew. Why send him out to a desert where he's going to lose his mind and lose his Yiddishkeit? Obviously the Rambam is talking about somebody who can manage by himself. Not just for six months, but can manage his whole life. We're talking about a person who can serve Hashem in the most wonder, wonderful way, and, uh, uh, even though he's in the desert. So we're talking about a great Jew. We're talking about an amazing person. And even such an amazing person, the Rambam tells him, the Rambam says, if you're, if you're going to be influenced by your environment, even in a subtle way, leave. We're not talking about a regular a Jew like nowadays. That from every little thing, we call Any time that there's somebody, you know, on the television that moves the nose a certain way, or walks a certain way, or wears a certain cl- uh, piece of clothing, that everybody like robots goes out and walks that way and buys those clothing and imitates. He's talking about a Jew that can live by himself in the desert. And the Ram says that such a person should leave an environment that's not holy.
Not like us, that like people like us, we call them a cotton. These tiniest little things affect us. We like to say we don't, we're not affected. It's not true. It's not, of course, we're, we're affected by every little thing. We call it Kimis Avshin, the Yemushpa. We're talking about a strong. But he still he still is honest enough to 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 what to admit that there's in some subtle way the environment has an effect upon him. He has to run out to to desert. Nowadays I know so many so many people that when they want to get rid of the television, their friends tell them you're crazy. How can you want to get rid of a television? It's the whole chiyus of a Jew in this world. Now, how do you want to get rid of uh, of of, uh, of such a wonderful thing that's so educational and so on? How could you want to get rid of that? And they look at the person like he's crazy. And you hear the Rambam says to go to the desert. There's no cable in the desert. He says to go to the desert. And 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 for us, it's people for 20 years are struggling. Should I take? Should I not throw it? Should I have it uh, put in a closet or only only with videos and not with a channel? You know all of these all of these uh, chilukim and ridiculous uh, games that people play with Hashem's bar. And 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 all of this. The Ram says a person who, and we're talking about weak people like ourselves. Somebody thinks my kid is not going to be affected by what he sees on the television. You have to be a lunatic to think that. You have to be a complete and total lunatic. Of course he's going to be affected. He's going to be affected in ways that you don't, that you know, that you don't even know. Not 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Just like we're affected by these things. That's, that's the MS. It's uncomfortable to talk about. It's uncomfortable to hear about. People like to make believe that everything is fine. And my children are so wonderful and pure. And we, we keep such a careful watch on what, they, on what they're seeing. That nothing is going to influence them or affect them. Yeah. These are these are and these are things that a person can say to a friend, you know, when you you know uh, when you're taking a stroll with your carriage someplace uh, on the boulevard. But in Panimius and Panimius and Kippur by Neila, nobody would say such an Irish guy. Neila and Kippur, nobody could say such a thing. But Amos, that they're not afraid that their child's not going to be influenced by these things. And that's the main job of Sarimeno, of the woman. Sarimeno, Gilsalono, Mizan, the Kudush of Rosh Hashanah. And we read about this Davka, what? About what Sarimeno did. She was the one that, she was the one that actually uh, got this moving to drive out Yishmael. And we read this, Rosh Hashanah, right before the Kishayv, is Shema Hashem told her, I'm going to listen to what she sang, because it's like listening to the Shayf when you listen to her voice. Therefore, a new year we're starting and we want to start in the best way possible. We want to start with clarity. We want to t- throw out all the Yishmaels from our lives. From our lives, we want to get rid of the Yishmaels because on that moment before the Kishayfer, we see the truth that Yishmael is destroying us, and he can't remain in the house together with us. We're getting ready for Shayfer. We want to drive out the Yishmaels from our lives. At that moment, Hashem shines into our lives this very, very great, important principle that we have to live with and remember all the time. How much we have to watch the children. And that's the greatest kindness. Because our question was, sorry, it was so kind. How could they do such a thing that seems cruel? So when a parent sometimes thinks, I, I can't, I can't stop my kid from going to that house, even though the house is not the right house for my kid. How can I do that? These are cheshbonis that are not from Avram Not that a person shouldn't be sensitive and delicate and do things, of course, in the most diplomatic way possible. But when push comes to shove, you have to watch your kid. And I tell this to parents all the time when they ask me about these things. When push comes to shove, you have to take care of your kid. And it's not a svar, but I don't know how they're going to feel. You're not nice to the Avram Avinu You're not more worried about about what about hurt feelings on the block than Avram Avinu Sarimeinu. There's no way possible. Avram Avinu and Sarimeinu were the most sensitive, delicate, caring people that ever lived. 
and Yishma was driven away from the home. And it wasn't a cheshbon of how, you know, how is this going to look? How does this feel? What's it going to be like? This is, this is the shmir that, that is the greatest chesed of our lives, which is to give our children the opportunity to be holy Jews. That's the greatest chesed we can give. In this world, we were created for the greatest chesed, which is not, again, to try to be diplomatic, but not to work, not, the ikr is not the neighbor's feelings, or whether or not, like you know, said, whether or not the kid in this school will, will be able to get 20 points higher in his SAT. Even though in that school it could be that there's that there's all kinds of things that are going on because they're boys and girls together and so on and so forth. That's the cheshbon that he should get 20 points higher in his SAT and that and that he should be able to and he should be able to be successful. And these are the cheshbonos that parents are making to be successful. The greatest success of a Jewish parent is to raise tzaddik. That's the greatest success, even if it means I'm sorry to say 20 points lower on SAT. And even if it means starting off with, with not, not with a quarter of a million dollar a year job. Even, even that. Even if it means that we're going to have to still pay money for a few years after they're married to try to, try to give them that opportunity. Even if it means all of that. Because that's the tachlis of our lives. Our mistake is when we think that it's just like a, it's like a luxurious thing. It's like a, a, a tosephus. That holiness is something which is like extra. I just want my kid to be observant. Holiness is extra. Then we make all these mistakes. But when we know that holiness is the site of all of our lives, is the site of Yishka, that's what, we're, that's what we're talking about, that's, what, that's why we're here. So then the decision is made to put the children in the best possible school, the best possible camp, the best possible environment, to try as much as possible, the friends should be, the, friends that, the families that share as much as possible, that share the ideals of the parents, and so on. This is the aside. And what about how people feel and they look at you? How they'll look at you? This is a, a big sugya. Our care about how people look at us. It's not for now so much. How people look at us. This comes from a very, very small place when we think about how people look at us. It's a very, very small thing to worry about. How people look at us, especially if it's on the cheshmer of our children. It's one thing, if for ourselves we do dumb things because we want to look a certain way. But, but for our children, they're going to have a tiny after 120. Because it's some, some silly cheshmer that you wanted to look a certain way. I hate how many times I have parents that have come to me and said that they, you know, with the, with the, with the uh, school for the kids, we talk about school, and, they, and the parents say that I feel more comfortable for myself socially in this school. I, I've heard this a thousand times. I feel more, I feel this like, you know, more my type. Okay, so Cheshman. Was it a Sweet 16 or something? The, the, the person has to be honest with himself. I feel more socially comfortable. Like, in other words, when they have the dinner once a year, I'm going to be able to make nice conversation and feel good. Or the families, the parents, that they're my type, and so on. Instead of making a Cheshman, well, maybe I should talk to intensify my own Yiddishkeit for my children, instead of saying, making this, this think about it, making this cheshman, you know, you know, even I know that that school would be better for my child, it would be more Yiddishkeit, be more davening, more learning, more serious, but I'm not comfortable with the parent body. You know, I, I hear this all the time. Do you really think that's going to fly at 120? I mean, bam, it's like at a kneel a moment, because then we're honest. Do you think that that's, that that's real? That because I, that I should send my kid to a school so I should feel comfortable? When I go to a parents-teachers meeting that I shouldn't have, like, what if somebody looks at me the wrong way or something like that, whatever the cheshman is, that's the cheshman for your child? These are cheshbanists that we have to be careful not to slip into, these, into that smallness, but to give our children the greatest chesed, the greatest chesed, the chesed for which we were created. 
to wash them, take care of them, to bring them up, that they should be tzaddikim and kedoshim and tahayim. Hashem is supposed to help us that we should have siyat edishmai, that all of us should, you know, that all of us should be zayichet to see that and to, and to walk them to the chup in such a way where they're accompanied with these, with, with the malachim in a good and holy way.